I want to bring to you a message the Lord has put on my heart. And this is something of a message that (laughs) for the last couple weeks I've labored. And when I say labor, it doesn't mean that I've got books all over the place and I'm, I'm laboring in the Spirit. We all understand we're in the last days. Is that correct? If we're in the last days, we ought to expect last days things to be going on around us. Correct? That's how we know we're in the last days. Is because we see signs. We see signs that, that Jesus talked about to his disciples and like, for example, in, in Luke and, and another time in Matthew, and we know these things, the signs. We are in the travail of the earth. The whole earth is in travail for the revealing of the sons of God. That's you and I. It was two years ago the church was judged by the world as being non-essential. God has another time and he has another church than what they see. This church will be violent. And I do not speak of violent as in a physical violence. (laughs) You may feel like it is, but it is not. This is a violence that is not of this world. Jesus said this, that he said this, and he said it when John the Baptist had passed away, and he was mourning, and he was grieving, but you could see a spirit of struggle and a spirit of battle rising up in the Savior when the Son of God says from the days of John the Baptist until now, the earth moves ahead with violence and the violent lay a hold of it. People, if you want to survive as a church, you've got to be violent and lay a hold of the things of God. Instead of coming into the house of God and then leaving again and saying merely, that was a good service, yeah, okay. Then on Monday morning, you know, you, you, you just go through like nothing has ever changed. That is not laying a hold violently. It is not. If there ever was a time to lay a hold of the things of God it is now. Stop compromising. Stop defending sin. You want to know why we have such reprobates running around in this day and age? It's not because of government. It's not because of Biden. He didn't cause this reprobation. It happened because the church has not, over the last 50 years, laid a hold of the things of God violently. Violently laying a hold of the kingdom of God. 
the church has forgotten a lot of things. It bothers me when I do not see demonstrations of God's power. Because I know that as a result of not seeing God's power move in demonstration in services, the outcome is this, no faith and weak faith. Because it was Paul who said to the Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, he said this, he says, I have not come to you with eloquency of speech, but I come to you with a demonstration of the power of God. Why? So that your faith would have something to rest on. What is the foundation of our faith? Demonstrations of God's power. When you see a miracle, what does it do? It strengthens your faith, doesn't it? When you see God move, whether it be on the job, that would really make your eyes open, wouldn't it? (laughs) I've seen it. I haven't been a pastor all my life. I've seen it. And it's not for our good as much as for the unsaved. Now, the church has been judged by the world, but God has got this new thing coming up. And I say new because churches don't have a clue anymore because the old school, the old, the old army of the Lord is passing away quickly. Said goodbye to another one this last couple days. And it troubles me. I said, Lord, who is going to take his place? And I have to look at myself. I said, God, that I would be worthy to be called a son of God. The earth is in travail, awaiting the revelation, the revealing, the coming forth of the sons of God. When the, when the world calls the church non-essential, You better be looking to heaven because God is ready to raise up a church that is now going to be revealed in power. It's coming. It's here. While the earth is travailing, awaiting for the sons of God to be revealed, in travail, women, you know this better than the men do, in travail, as in Child birth, travail, waiting, waiting for the birthing of the sons of God, the women of God, the daughters of God. God, I'm tired of waiting. I'm tired of waiting. I find myself more often saying this God, if not now, when? And I don't scorn anyone. I do not scorn pastors. I can't. Because I know all too well how weak I am. I want to speak to you this morning. The title of this message is Living in the days 
of legion. If you'll turn with me to Matthew chapter 8, beginning with verse 23. Now, I want to preface this by saying we're going to be looking at a rough boat ride, and then we're going to see the demoniac being set free. You know that the story of the demoniac of the Gadarenes is true in all three accounts John doesn't give it, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. And there is a slight difference with Matthew. I don't know how many of you... Have you ever asked why Matthew says there were two men of the Gadarenes? I'm saying this as a preface because this is where we're going to head off to and then we're going to come back and look modern day stuff. But there are two mentioned. And there, there is no saying, well, there's two here because it was a different place. No, it wasn't. Because Matthew agrees with Mark and Luke in all things, in the way, the boat ride, the country, everything, except there were two men instead of one. That is not a conflict. And I want to put you... Put yourself at ease. This has bothered me for, it did bother me for a long time, but it just goes something like this. Just because, just because Mark and Luke mentions one doesn't mean that Matthew was a different place, a different time, and different people. Wrong. It doesn't mean that at all. It merely means the man that was known as the demoniac of the Gadarenes in the other two Gospels other than Matthew, it merely means that he was to be noted. He was the one to look at. He was the one that God was going to do great things through, and we'll get into that in a minute. So, okay, everybody following me? I'm not a teacher, but if you stretch real hard and listen real hard, you might get something out of this. That's just a preface. The demoniacs of Gadarenes in Matthew is the same time and place as the one demoniac. So, this is leading up to it, and all three of those Gospels agree with it. It says that Jesus, then he, Jesus got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly, a furious storm came upon the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we are going to drown. Jesus replied, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? He rebuked them. Then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves. And it was completely calm like glass. And the men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? What manner of man is this that even 
the winds and the waves obey him. Father God, to all glory be unto you this morning. I pray, God, that the words of your servant will do every bit to which you have sent it out for this morning in this very hour. I pray, Lord, that these would be words of your spirit and not words of the flesh. And I guard my heart and my tongue this morning on that. I bless your word, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. (laughs) Jesus was sleeping in that boat. You know, that occurred in other times in Scripture, didn't it? He fell asleep in the boat. He was exhausted. They had a busy day. They had seen many miracles. They heard good sermons. They knew he was the Messiah. And yet when a storm arose, they didn't have any idea who was in the back of the boat. They forgot. Storms do that, you know. You can be put into a tempest. Some versions say tempest. You can be put into a, an immediate, suddenly. Suddenly there arose a great furious storm, a tempest. It'll make you forget who it is that's being really quiet in the back of your boat. And even sleeping, you might say. <laughs> Oh, ye of little faith. Storms do that. Storms will reveal how much faith you have. Immediately. That's why you have to know what God is doing in you before you can recognize what God is going to do around you. Do you know what God is doing in you right now? That is most important. The disciples were going to see some amazing things that would benefit them when they became apostles. First thing, this was no ordinary boat. This was no ordinary trip. It was a 10-mile trip. You know, that's a long trip across a big lake, the Sea of Galilee. That was a long boat ride. And then it says a storm suddenly arose. I mean, quickly, suddenly. These were men of the sea. They knew weather. They knew weather better than we do, even (laughs) if we didn't have the weather channel, okay? They knew weather. Guys who make their living by being on a sea know this. And this was no ordinary storm. It was a tempest. In fact, that word for tempest is seismo. To which we get the word seismic. When there's a vol- or an earthquake, volcano earthquake is shaking, we call that seismic activity. It's tempest activity. Only it was in two, used in two different ways back then. It also described a violent storm. And it says that the waves crashed over the boat. That word means to cover, like to wrap. 
You imagine being a sailor. You could not bail that thing quick enough. And they knew that if they didn't wake up Jesus and ask him, don't you care? Now that is an anxious spirit and for good reason. Have you ever been there? Hmm? Oh, not, not in a boat ride, literally, but maybe in a like occasion in your life. Do you realize that that is a time where your faith needs to arise and not be pressed down? Here's another thing. Where they were headed was a foreign land. Jews did not go there. And that was number one why Jesus wanted to get there. Was Jesus going to evangelize the territory? Hmm. We'll find out. But as they were going towards the Gadarenes, that region worshipped the God of thunder and lightning. Let that sink in. Now you wonder where the storm came from? The God of thunder and lightning was manifesting its fury against the disciples. Oh, it knew. Oh, hell knows and knew then that he could not overcome the Son of God. It was the disciples the devil was after because he knew what would become of them. And that's when Jesus says, that's enough. And just like that, it quit. And I can't imagine the awe that they were in when they saw what manner of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him. This is a son of God. So when he arrived at the other side in the region of, Ga- of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. And they cried out, what do you want with us, son of God? They shouted, have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? You understand, this is not a man speaking here. These are demons, literally speaking. This day and age, we are going to be hearing more of demons speaking Don't think for a minute, don't even question. It's time to cast out. (laughs) I want to give you an example. This 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 is how things happen sometimes, by completely unaware. You know, the disciples, they're probably thinking, man, it's so good. I think I want to just kiss the beach. It's so good to be here. They were not given a welcoming party. They had demon-filled men. What are you doing here? Why are you here? Are you going to trouble us before it's time? (laughs) 
Can you imagine after a trip, getting out of the car, getting off the bus, getting, getting out of the airplane, having somebody go, instead of having someone greet you, oh, it's so good to see you, I haven't seen you. Sometimes it's not that obvious, the demons that people carry. But I want to give you an example. I used to ride the bus, used to work in probate court for troubled kids. Teens, I was a compliance officer. And we had a bus that would go to the various foster homes in our system, in our little crowd, and would pick up teenagers on that bus and take them to a private school that was for kids in substance abuse. Yes, they were drug addicts. And yes, they had demons. I was called in by the director of probate at that time. He called me in and said, Rip, I've got a special job for you. You want it? And I said, what you got? And he says, well, this is going to be an everyday thing and sometimes more than once a day. I said, yeah, sure. I wouldn't mind a little steady work. And he says, the woman who's been driving our bus, you know who she is? I know her, yes. She had a really bad night where the kids took over the bus, recognizing it was only her on the bus. And they took over the bus. One of them had a whistle. You know, when you go to a basketball game, it's like, oh, that hurts. Try that on a short bus. And the kid wouldn't quit. She was in tears and said, help. And so my boss called me in. He says, Rip, I I want you to know this that if they ever do that to you, drive them right over to the detention home on Horton Bay Road and park there and call the sheriff. I was given a lot of authority. I was given the authority of the courts. I had it and I had a badge to show for it. And so I rode that bus for about three years, four years, four years, I had just a little guy. I mean, he looked like he looked like Bieber, Justin Bieber. You know, he's about this tall, and he had the he had the the pretty hairdo. And and Bieber's saved, by the way. Just want you to know that if you haven't checked in on on him lately, he loves God. Okay. This little guy was lippy. And when someone was being exceptionally bad, causing trouble on the bus, I had a particular seat, and I would make them sit by me. This one didn't, couldn't stand me. It's like, how long do I have to sit here? I mean, continually, never shut up, and it was continually trying to wear me down. One day it was really quiet. Going to school in the morning. It was just sun was just starting to come up, starting to be dawn a little bit, could see around. And we were coming through Ironton, heading towards the school in Charlevoix. He looks at me and out of the blue and he says, You're a drug addict. Now, if you know anything about my background, I was. 
I was a drug addict. I was an alcoholic, 23 years old. I also had demons, 23 years old. The day I got saved, all of it went. I never had to struggle with any of it. That's God's grace. But we serve in a unit back then that said that once a drug addict, always a drug addict. Do you know that that is a lie from the pit of hell? Do you? That is not biblical. If you were born again, that's behind you. You're no longer in bondage to it. You're not in bondage to anything except a devil that might need to be cast out. But you have that behind. Second Corinthians 5.17 says this. If any man or woman be in Christ, they are a new creation. Old things are what? Behold, all things are what? New. So anyways... Nice, quiet ride. And I don't know why little Lippy Lucas was so quiet. That was my name for him. (laughs) He successfully ticked everybody off except the janitor in the school. Just the way he is. And he'd been riding with me for about a week, and it was really quiet. And I knew he had demons. But I wasn't ready to, on a quiet morning, to have to deal with one. I find them a grand inconvenience in my life, but I see it as a time for the sons of God to be manifested. I step into that stuff. <laughs> so he's riding along and it's quiet, and he, every, all the other kids are like this, their heads down, and you know they're just snoozing. They don't. They didn't have an easy life, and I was there to help them, encourage them, console them. Oh, but not this little one. This little one next to me, he says, you know what, you're a drug addict. And I looked at him and I said, Jesus set me free from that. Do you know what he did? He grabbed his ears. He goes, ah, ah, ah. That loud and that violent when I mentioned the name of Jesus. Don't say that word. Don't say that word. And I looked at him and I said, you mean Jesus? Don't say that word. Ah, ah. Twice he did that. And as we're coming into town, three times he did that. And he says, but you're still a drug addict. I said, haven't you learned your lesson? The Lord Jesus Christ set me free from that bondage. And now I live for him and I'm completely free. Ah! And by then, every kid on that bus, including our driver, was looking at him and wondering, what is going on there? Demons. But Jesus told the disciples this. He said, don't rejoice that demons obey you by the name of Jesus, but rather rejoice that your name is written in the Lamb's book of life. And I bring that out when that occurs, because I want the Lord to know and the devil to know that I do not think of myself any higher than I ought. I am merely a servant of God 
you are a servant of God, but merely meaning this, I don't think I'm all that great, except in him. Faith can move mountains if you believe. Demons come out by that mighty name. Those kids turned around and looked at him and they said, (laughs) it was Wednesday night and one of the guys in our unit would take them to church on a Wednesday night, okay? And they'd do a Bible study on Wednesday night. And they all looked at him and said, you better get that squared away because when you go into church and do that, there's going to be problems. (laughs) I went into his foster parent in our unit. I walked into the office and I said, I just want to let you know what happened to one of your boys just now. I said, just want you to know he has some pretty strong demons in him and that's why he behaves the way he does. I'll just leave the rest to you. Did I cast him out? Oh, I could have. But it wasn't the time for it. He'd live that long with those demons. He could live another until they cast him out. I'll let that joy be somebody else's. You have to use wisdom. And I knew that if I did that, it was going to raise a fuss and I'd probably lose my job. But I wanted to be there to do a greater work beyond that. And I did. Thank God. Okay. Larry, could you do click back one? I want you to see something. It says, when he arrived at the other side in the region of Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They lived in the tombs. And it says they were so violent that, that in the, other, the others, um, Mark and Luke said that when he was bound with chains, he'd break them. Okay, that's not human strength. Cut themselves. One of the things that we had to look for were cuts. Because kids are cutting themselves. That's demonic. Counseling won't help. but look at that point where it says they were so violent that no one could pass that way. There's a word for that that's used in only one other place in the New Testament. Some of you have heard me bring this out. I think it was on a Wednesday night I brought this out one time. There's a word that describes, it says furious or dangerous or perilous, that the word in the Greek is used only one other time in the whole New Testament. That ought to send up a flag when you read the other time that that is used. And if you'll turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. Now, we know the rest that follows this. Let's, let's check this out. People will be lovers of themselves. Okay, now, I want you to know that this is not, this is not just certain types of people. And we're gonna look at that in just a moment. These are, this is, these are manifestations of demon possession. They aren't just someone 
who kind of acts bad, and yep, you're one of those that, you know, that Paul told Timothy about. Not necessarily. It goes deeper than that. This is a culture of demons that we're looking at here. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, no self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, have nothing to do with such people. Now this is talking about a culture here. Back it up, Larry, if you would. I'd appreciate it. Go back to verse 1. Chapter 3, verse 1. There we go. In the, I'm going to, well, I don't have it here. It's right, never mind. In the, in the NIV, it says, mark this, in the last days will be perilous times. Right? Perilous, that word perilous. Do you know that was the word that Matthew described the demoniac of Gadarenes? Do you understand that? It's only used in two places. And I'm wondering when Paul was telling young Timothy, that young pastor in Ephesus, if he was saying, listen, in the last days, and, and prophetically his mind was going back, probably even listening to what happened. These letters were written at the same time. The Gospel of Matthew and 2 Timothy were written within two years of each other. And the one thing that they have in common is this use, exclusive use of this. The last days will be terrible. They will be perilous. They will be times of legion. We are living in the days of legion. Do you understand this? I can't overstate it. I am not exaggerating this. This is straight up prophetic days that we're living in. And when you look around you, it's like, okay, what, you know, you look out the window to see what day of of revelation are we living in. What else are we going to see today that just shows us that we're in the end days? The increase in this area is incredible. The increase of deaths, suicides, is mind-boggling. Over the last week, we had one that Vicki and I had had bumped into with her work. With her work, she has dealt with um, people with substance abuse issues and and some that have demons and. You know, you just wait for that time. Like, you want to get free? I can set you free. You know, and we, we, so we keep pouring gospel into them. We keep pouring living water into them. And one of them that we, was not one of my wife's clients, but we knew him to be troubled with alcohol and drugs. 
How many of you have scanners? Does anyone here? I think if I mentioned it, you'd probably raise your hand. Would you raise your hand for your scanner person? Is there anybody here with a scanner? Do you? Yeah? Okay. Okay, yeah. <laughs> the Facebook. I've got a, I, I don't know why I don't go out and get a scanner, probably because of the crystals thing and frequencies things. And just, but I don't, want it, I don't want it telling me what's going on all, every minute of the day. But uh, over the past... Over the past week or two, there have been many cases of people being found dead, and it's reported on this thing called Straits Area Scanner on Facebook. And it's one of the reasons why I do Facebook, is not only to preach the gospel and encourage friends and stay in touch with friends, but to know who's died. And it's said that a, a, a 1077 was found in a home in, in Carp Lake. And immediately my ears perk up Carp Lake. Hey, Vicky, did you read this? Check it out. Later on we found out that he was a best friend of one of her clients who had severe heroin addict. What's a moderate heroin addict? He was a heroin addict. And we have to watch him carefully. We have this going on around us. We have people being shot. We have police officers. The day of lawlessness is here. It's not political, people. It's all demonic. It's all from the pit of hell. Don't get caught up in blaming a president. Don't get caught up in blaming Pelosi. Don't get caught up in that. Because you've got your eyes in the dirt and not to the heavens. We're living in a day in which are perilous times. We are living in the days of legion. So, enough of that. How should we live? How shall we live? What manner of people ought we to be? Just like the disciples look to Jesus and say, what manner of man is this? The world looks at us. And Peter says to his church, what manner of people ought we to be? And if you look, if you look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 and 11, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief. The heavens will disappear with a roar. The elements will be destroyed by fire. And the earth and everything done in it will be laid bare. Since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be? You ought to live holy and godly lives. Is there another click on there, Larry? Is that it? Okay. That's far enough. There's the question. What kind of people ought we to be? Just like the disciples who were fearing the raging storm saw Jesus still the waters and they said, what manner of man is this? So the revealing of the sons of God, the manifest sons of God in the time of travail in which we are in, when they are revealed, the world will look at the church 
They won't look at the cross on the steeple on the church. They're going to be looking at people, you and I, walking the streets and setting people free from demon possession. Those who want to kill themselves to step in the middle and say, no, stop. We should live holy lives for that to take place. You cannot live a life of compromise and complacency. Well, I went to church on Sunday. Well, you know what? The devil has done that once or twice himself. You say, oh, the devil can't get in the church doors. He doesn't have to. He comes in in the hearts of those who think they're Christians. Amen? Amen. (laughs) I won't take the time, but if you want to know an interesting story, I can well tell you. And it blew my theology right out the door when I saw it happen and had to step into it. Twice in the same church. How we should be. Live holy. You know what holy means here? Holy means set apart. Sanctified. Sanctified. Sanctification is a two-part, two-fold process. First, sanctification is what we received in justification when we came to the cross, when we came to Jesus and said, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Please come into my heart and make me a new person. That is the first work of sanctification. You know what the ongoing work is? It's ongoing. If you let it, if you welcome it, if you receive this, it's ongoing. We are sanctified. We are saved and we are being saved. Do you understand that? We are saved, the first work of sanctification, and we're being saved. There are some things that have been in my life where God says, you need to get rid of this. I was being saved. He was keeping me there. He was keeping me holy, keeping me sanctified. I'll give you a story, and I'm not too much longer here. It's quarter to, quarter to 11. Is that really... Check out that clock back there. Okay, 11.47. Thank you. I was pastoring a church down in Clarkston, and that was a church where we had blown out revival, but it didn't happen when I came through the doors. I knew right away that there were some big problems. I wasn't that wet behind the ears. When I came in there, I, my eyes were wide open, and I knew, and I, and I asked my my pastor, who was my presbyter, I said, why did you put me here? I'm a bad fit. And he says, no such thing as a bad fit. You fit there because it's a bad place. And I walked into that place, and, and I saw hanging, uh, it, was, it was in my mail one day, and I'm, you know, small church, probably about 50 people, and I'm going through my mail, and there came a flyer that said I needed to go and listen to John Kilpatrick, who I knew to be the pastor of a full-blown revival in Pensacola, Florida. Does anyone here remember or hearing of hearing about the revival in Brownsville, the Brownsville church? Oh, my. I was going to go 
and listen to him. Down in Ohio, and I was getting ready for the trip. At first, I didn't want to go. I just wadded it up, and I, and I, had, I had a deep disappointment in me that I hadn't seen revival. And I threw it away, and I'm going... And the Lord saw my disappointment. And as soon as, as soon as that went thunk in the bottom of my trash can, the Lord spoke to me and said, Rip, really? I said, I'm sorry. And I flattened it out and I put it on my, on my with, a, with a push pin, boom, on my bulletin board right smack in front of me. And I said, God, I'm going. The night... Before I went, I had a vision. In the middle of the night, vision. And I was standing behind a helmsman of like a thousand foot freighter. All I could see was clear blue ocean. Just nothing but clear blue ocean. And the bearing reading was digital right up over the head of the helmsman. And I heard a call from the captain behind me. And he said, bearing. And he gave, he gave the compass bearing to the course that was going to be set. And I looked, and he was only one and a half degrees off. And I had this thought inside of me. And God judged it. And I said, Lord, he's not that far off. One and a half degrees. And the Lord says, if he keeps this compass bearing, he's going to miss his destination. And boom, I woke up and I said, God, I know where I'm going tomorrow, today, that day. And God changed my life. The glory of God hit me so hard. I was like in a daze, in a dreamlike state for years. People, if we do not allow the Lord to give us a course setting that might be a little bit different than the one you're on, receive it in faith and move in it. Let him Change your direction. What manner of people we ought to be. Hebrews 10.25 is a verse where when church attendance is real low, you know, the pastors bring it out and I'm one that has done that and and, you know, when you're preaching to the choir, you're preaching to the ones who are here, not to the ones who aren't. <laughs> and it goes like this. Don't, don't give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. But it's the second half of that that we need to pay attention to, because it says, even in the habit of doing, we need to get together to encourage one another. Hebrews 10.25, to encourage one another even more so as, do you know the rest of that? As the day 
approaches. Did you notice that that day has a capital D? It's not Monday through Sunday or Sunday through Saturday. or It's not a day of the week. It's the day of the Lord. As we see the day of the Lord, we need to come together more. But more than that, to have this purpose in mind. Encourage one another. What manner of people ought we to be than to be encouragers? To encourage, to inspire. To inspire one another unto holiness. People, the mainline churches have lost it. They're gone. Forget it. Even many Pentecostal churches, you've heard me say it. It's sad to see what we have become. We used to be the church on the other side of the tracks. Now we're, we're moving on up. We're in the penthouse suite thinking that we're all that and a bag of chips, and we're not. Would to God that we'd be on the wrong side of the tracks. Jesus said, men will hate you. The world will hate you because of me. Have you been hated because of him lately? What's wrong with this picture? The church has tried so much to be relevant to the world. It sickens my stomach to hear it. Relevant? You know, live your best life now. We ought to be people that are on fire for Jesus. Not flaming down and flaming out. The Lord said, a bruised reed and a smoldering wick. A bruised reed I will not break or crush. A smoldering wick I will not snuff out. Just because you've let the wick smolder, God is not going to snuff you out because it was your fault to letting the fire go out. Know this. He wants you back. He wants you to flow in the gifts that you used to flow in. That was not for a special time. How much more so now? If you were moved in gifts and you flowed in gifts in a time in your life before, what's wrong with today? Nothing. What's wrong with you today? Everything. Let him light the fire again. It's all about souls. It's not about the next nice, new, shiny thing. It's not about having the biggest church in town. I've preached enough. Would you stand with me? How you doing this morning? Doing okay?
try to remind myself that these aches and pains I'm feeling are okay because if I didn't, I knew I wouldn't be here. (laughs) I'm going to be 65 this year, okay? And some of you are going, oh, you're just a youngster yet. That's enough of that, all right? This is a day that we didn't know was coming, but the Bible said it was coming. We believed it, but we never thought it would look like this. Rise up! Burn for the Lord! Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father God, beyond time frames. You are the matchless one. You are the ageless one. Age, Lord, is nothing to you. Lord, we have so limited ourselves thinking that I'm old enough and that kind of stuff is for young people. Oh God, forgive us of our lack of faith and throwing gifts back in your face. Father God, I pray that more than ever, we would begin to see the sons of God, the daughters of God, revealed, manifested in this church. Lord, Lord, forgive us of complaining. We have enough stuff. We have enough food. We have enough clothing. Thank you. This would be a good time this morning to give a simple cry to the Lord, God, use me. God, use me. Father, use us for the sake of your Son. Lord, I pray that we would have fresh anointings. Lord, I keep seeing in my my mind's eye and my spirit, I keep seeing old wineskins. Lord, I pray that we would not be one to be thinking ourselves as old wineskins. Jesus, you gave that wonderful parable of old wineskins. No one pours the new wine, the new wine of the Holy Spirit into old wineskins. Lord, Lord, that's not what that meant. And then you mentioned new wine and new wineskins. Father God, Father God, I see this in the Spirit this morning, that there's one thing that the old wineskin and the new wineskin have in common, and that is this, they are both empty. God, we need a refilling of new wine. Come, Lord, visit us. Visit us, Lord.
you, Jesus. Jackie, would you sing that, please? God, I bless these people with the joy of the Lord. I bless them with ears to hear and eyes to see what you are doing. How beautiful are the feet of them who bring good news, preach good news, the gospel. Father, your blessing be upon your people this day great day. Lord, help us walk holy for souls. In Jesus' name, amen.